Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Good morning, church. Oh, that's where that. They just got me a new mic today, so we may have to work through this. Uh, I also noticed that the video completely worked today. Did you guys notice that? Like last week, we had our little troubles. But Pastor Dylan is back with us, so of course he made sure everything's working today. And, uh, you know, he said this is all a job security for him, you know. If things don't work when he's not here, he can show his usefulness to us. So uh, he had a good time last week in Mansfield and, and spoke to a congregation there. And I have to tell you, I'm just so excited with all of you being here today. And my, uh, man, just the spirit of worship this morning and reckoning God's presence right now is just unbelievable. And I'm so thankful that he's allowed us to share his word together that he's administering to our lives. I know that we're all coming from different situations and things going on. So just thank you for being here today. Uh, the only two announcements I want to make to you right now is, is first of all, uh, just remind you about the Believe class. What's happening is uh, if you're new to the church and uh, you would like to become a member of the church, we have like three classes that we do. And we try to do one and each month and stuff. So we do for the next three months, we'll do one, one time, and then next. And so this first one is called the Believe class. Uh, I'll be doing that with you. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of the basics. Uh, when we say the church universe, we're talking about uh, just uh, the Christianity in general. And so we'll be going through some of the basics of that. And then we have a, a secondary class and then a third um, class as well. Some of you may not want to become members of that by the end of it, and that's fine. But some of you may want to know sort of what the uh, church general believes um, and then what maybe the Wesleyan church believes as well, which we're a part of. And so just want to thank you for that. Uh, second announcement is this, is... Um, as many of you know, uh, we were trying to look for a worship pastor in the last year or so. Uh, we had many things come through. None of them seemed to really fit with us. And uh, my wife, uh, Rachel, was, uh, that wasn't her today. That was my brother, Wes. Um, so uh, anyways, my wife uh, has been leading worship for us. And uh, the board, uh, well, some of the board kept saying, you know, why don't we, why don't we just hire her? And, uh, and I was like, well, I don't know about hiring my wife. And uh, you know, because uh, I'd like to be the boss of one of the places, you know, and uh, so anyways, um, but after we got to thinking about more and more, and I was, and I was even talking with Pastor Dave, he used to be here as well, he's like, man, she's doing a fantastic job, and, um, and so, um, you know, we never know what we're going to get when we hire somebody, and so she's been working about five hours a week in what she's doing here, and so we decided to just go ahead and hire her for that position um, for the five hours a week, so she's going to continue to do that. Um, but knowing that we basically had this uh, amount of uh, salary that we're not using. And uh, we have been talking within our staff. And one of the things that we wanted to make sure we got a handle on with the, the church growing so much is we wanted to make sure that we were doing a better job of pastoral care. We wanted to make sure that people were being prayed for, that they were being thought about, that hospital visitation was happening, uh, they were visiting some of our, our shut-ins and the nursing homes and things like that because we wanted to make sure like this you know, sort of those needs were not forgotten. And not that we're still not going to go do that, but we, um, uh, so I took a, a proposition to the board about hiring 
uh, for this position and then uh, submitted a name this week. And so we did um, make an official hire after an interview this week. And so just wanted to make some of you aware of that. Uh, this individual is not here today. Uh, he'll be with us next week, so we'll introduce you to the congregation. Uh, some of you will know the name because he's, he's from around the area, but his name is uh, Jerry Campbell, and he'll be joining us uh, February 1st on staff and being taken care of some of those needs as well. So thank you for... Uh, you know, just allowing us to do that. And, um, um, and so I'm really, I'm really excited about what the church is doing going forward because we've really seen some great things. And I have to tell you, one of the things that I realized too is this. Pastoral care is, is so needed in our, in our churches um, because I think that we can forget about people. And, um, and I have to say, like last week I announced that, you know, there were just some things going on in my own family and, and I needed prayer for it. And I have to tell you that uh, your prayers just tremendously valued. And then I have to tell you that, and I don't want to mention like the individual, but, uh, and I've, I've texted this individual, but there was an individual that texted and made a difference in our situation. And so I want to say thank you publicly to that individual. And, and that's when I realized, though, even though we have somebody over pastoral care, the church as a whole needs to reach out when we see people missing. The church as a whole needs to reach out when there are people in need. And so, um, as Steve is, is even referring to this week, we had an individual come in who was in need, and we were able to help. Why? Because of the giving that's taking place here. There are so many things that all of you, by contributing what you do through your, your resources, through your time and your energy, we are able to make an impact on this community. And so, from the bottom of my heart, man, just thank you for what you continue to do. I think God has some really cool things in store for us. So... Now let's get into uh, the word today, and uh, um, so hopefully I'm not in vacation mode, because many of you know, I told you last week, I'm leaving uh, tonight. Uh, my wife and I are going on a little trip, and so we're going to be away for about four days. Uh, we're excited to be there, so, but I really want to focus in on what we have today. We're going to be reading from John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, also going to be looking at uh, 2 Peter um, as well, and we'll get into that passage. Um, I don't know... Um, Sorry, still just taken in by emotion today, so forgive me. Uh, I don't know where you're at in life. I know some of you probably have experienced some of the joys in life. And when you look at this life, you're probably like, man, things are going well for me. I've got a, I've got a good spouse, I've got great kids, I've got a secure job, able to pay my bills. And life for you is, is pretty good. It's not like it's perfect. But it's pretty good. You're able to take care of yourself and you have means to do that. And life is going good. And for if someone to ask you, you know, how do you feel about life? You'd say, yeah, I love it. You know, things are going pretty well. Things are going decent. But then there's others of you that I understand that, man, when you were brought up, man, your, your home life was a mess. It would what we qualify as a dysfunctional home. You know, my parents weren't as supportive as they needed to be. There was some other junk going on in there. Uh, maybe even because of that, maybe my family situation is not going well. I don't, I, it seems like I jump from one job to the next. Uh, it feels like I can't really provide for my family. Uh, it feels like, you know, that my, my relationships are always up and down. And for some of you, when you ask about life, you're like, man, I, I just don't really enjoy it. As a matter of fact, if somebody were to ask you, could you do it again? Some of you would say, you know what, I'd, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. And for you, it's almost sort of this hate for what's going on in life. And I have to tell you that Jesus is there for both situations. 
I mean, Jesus is one that wants to come beside you. He wants to celebrate your times, and he, he wants to keep you humble, but he wants to keep you moving forward. And then for others of you that are just going through life circumstances and struggles, man, you have a Savior who desperately loves you and wants you to feel some sort of value and worth even where you're at today. And he wants to walk alongside of you. So today, I want to take a look at this message. And the cereal that I wanted to use today was obviously the cereal Life. And I had to look up a little bit of the history of it to, to find what's going on. But I also know this, that in this life, I think that sometimes you're getting mixed messages in what's going on. I think for some of you, because of where you're at in life, people are trying to constantly speak into you. But the messages that they're giving you are not really ones of hope. They're not any security. As a matter of fact, when they speak into your life, it feels like they're just bringing you down. And you feel less valued than you ever have before. And I feel like that there's always these sort of false messages that are given out there today. I was talking with one individual, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, but um, every time I watch the news, I don't even know what news source to watch anymore, honestly. Because I feel like I can never get the true message. I feel like I listen to one side, and they sort of have their slant. I listen to the other side, and they have their slant. And it's like, even within the same story, there is no consistency in what's going on anymore. Have you noticed that? You know, and so I try to listen to both sides and try to figure out if, if the message has got to be somewhere in the middle. And even this week, I have to say, I've, I've, been getting my, uh, I've been getting a kick in the pants, really, because I've been reading this book, and it's called uh, Whatever Became of Holiness. And I have to tell you, the reason why it's messing with me so much is they keep talking about this idea of, like, in the Old Testament, there, there's sort of this genuine fear of the Lord. You know, we're like, you were afraid to mess up, and so you made sure that you did everything you were supposed to do in the right order, in the right way, or else, you know, you didn't want to be zapped by God in some way. And so there was this fear of the Lord. And then you have sort of the New Testament. When you get into the New Testament, it seems like there's this loving Jesus, and sort of the message we get from it is it doesn't matter what you've done or, or what's happened in life, but you have a loving Savior who will be there for you and who is very grace-oriented. But what happens with those two messages, one is fear can kind of bring us down and feel like we can never achieve. And then grace, on the other hand, feels like we can do anything we want and always be forgiven. And I think somewhere in the middle is a healthy message that we need to hear. You know, I think even for me, the best way I can even sort of uh, come to some sort of illustration on this is just looking at my own family life and being brought up. You see, I think some of us, what we don't understand is we used to have a healthy fear of our parents. And again, I don't think everyone had sort of the, the healthy situation I have, but most of you did. But anymore, it feels like we can't instill fear in our children because that's wrong. You know, it almost feels like you can't discipline your kids anymore because that's wrong. But I have to tell you, there's several things I did not do in life because I didn't want to get spanked or I didn't want to get in trouble. So it prevented me from doing those things. But on the other side of this, this is what I love. Even though I had a fear for my parents, I also understood how much they loved me as well. They would sit down with me. They would pray with me. They would give me a kiss uh, before bed. And they would show up to all my events. And they were there to love me. They would play games with me. And I saw that healthy side of love. And so the discipline never really mattered because I knew what the love was about. But we're also sitting in a generation where everything is okay. Like we're just going to love and love and love on our kids and because we read books like Love Wins Out and I, and I agree with a lot of that, but I still think somewhere in the middle is that message that we need to hear. 
that we need to both have a fear of the Lord and understand that there's a love for the Lord as well that keeps us on the straight and narrow. And so it was interesting to me as I was picking out a cereal today, it was just interesting that um, in picking out life, life has one of those things that had sort of a false message that was going around for a while. So let me read you a little bit of the history of, uh, of life. Life cereal uh, was owned by Quaker Oats, debuted in 1961. But the company became known as a cereal manufacturer long before that. In 1877, Quaker Oats registered as the very first trademark for a breakfast cereal, according to the manufacturer, and soon began marketing their oatmeal for breakfast. In 1888, Quaker Oats united with six other major oatmillers in the United States forming the American Cereal Company. Many years later, Quaker Oats offered a cold cereal option, thus giving life to life. The cereal was introduced on the market in its original flavor, and its popularity has continued to grow from there. Now, when Life Cereal aired its television commercial featuring, you got it, Mikey, Quaker Oats probably didn't know it would be as popular as it became and that would hold, have this sort of hold on, uh, on the industry for many years. Sure, a company always hopes to launch an effective commercial, but this success was on a different level. Do you know how long that commercial ran, by the way? For a decade. That's pretty ingenious, you know, and it saves a lot of money on advertising when you can just run the same thing over and over. So that ad aired 1972 featuring three brothers who were actually brothers in real life debating who would try the new cereal first at the breakfast table. Two of the brothers hand the cereal down to little Mikey and he tries the cereal. One of the brothers exclaims, he likes it. Hey, Mikey. And that phrase held strong for life, cereal lovers and newbies to the product for a very long time. That commercial has been so iconic that it's actually in the Hall of Fame for commercials, if you know there's a Hall of Fame for that. Uh, false messaging that came in is pretty interesting to me, but uh, they, some years later, um, everyone thought Mikey was dead. And why do they think Mikey was dead? There was a rumor going around that he ate Pop Rocks mixed with Pepsi, and it blew up in his stomach. People believed this so much that Pop Rocks, their sales went way down because of it. All right? All because of this. So they had to, several years later, do another commercial featuring older Mikey to prove that he was, in fact, still alive. <laughs> but there was sort of that false messaging going around. And it's interesting to me about live cereal where you think it's like this real healthy option. It may not be as healthy as what you think. But it's interesting how many times we fall for sort of this false messaging of the day. By the way, Mikey, as far as uh, 2017, I didn't check today, but he was still alive. Okay, so he was still going strong by then. But I wonder today for us, I wonder how many times that we've received some sort of false messaging that has really brought us down. You know, somebody says they don't love you anymore. Somebody says that you're worth nothing. Somebody says you'll never get ahead in life. Somebody says you're not smart enough to do that job. You're not strong enough to be here. You're not good looking enough to be with me. I wonder how those messages that we hear affect us. And just like Pop Rock's stock went down, your stock is less than what you feel as well. And it's not only a messaging that we receive from 
other people out there, but sadly enough, we can receive sort of the same messages in the church, where church should be a place where you can feel hope and restored and loved. So today I want to get into John chapter 10, verses 10 through 11. It says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays, his, lays down his life for the sheep. And that's Jesus talking. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you again for your word today. And I want to thank you for these times where we as a congregation can just pause for a moment and begin to look at sort of the messaging that we have received in our life. Where's the real stuff? What's been fake? What has brought us down? Help us to evaluate it so that the only message that we hear is somewhere in the middle. And that message is from you. And that we are valued and that we are loved. And you're going to discipline us when we need to so you keep us on the straight and narrow. So, Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. And I pray, Lord, like always, if there's anything that I would say that is incorrect in the Scripture today, I pray that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only message today they hear is yours and yours alone. And in your name we pray. Amen. So this verse automatically starts out with a thief. And I have to tell you, I actually had this message done uh, pretty early on Thursday. And I was ready to turn it in. And then I decided to do a little bit more study. And I don't know why I didn't do a lot more study beforehand. But you know how some things are passed down from one generation to generation. And, and you hear a word and you just think, well, these guys can't be lying. You know, this has got to be the real word. And I don't think anyone was trying to deceive me. But when I looked at the word thief, I automatically thought, who was the thief? Satan, the devil right? That's who I thought it was. And you know what? It's not in this message. I mean, you go to chapter 9, and what you recognize right away is in chapter 9, you have a blind man who has been healed. He goes to a lot of the Pharisees, and as he's going to the Pharisees, the church rejects him, and then they send him out, and then they begin to teach their own message. Matter of fact, if you look at chapter 10 earlier, it actually says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they are the ones that are thieves. And so when this message is, is going here, what I want us to understand that I believe that even though the devil is at work, there's sometimes a false message that we receive from people that we allow to speak into our life. In other words, there are false teachers that come in and try to instruct us in how we should live. And I have to tell you, when I found that out, man, it messed sort of the whole way I had to do the message, you know? Because here I am thinking, well, I know how the devil steals, and I know how he kills, and I know how he destroys. But then I'm thinking, well, what do we do with these false teachers? Because many of these guys, even who were dealing with Jesus at the time, these were supposed to be godly men who actually had this, this fear of the Lord. The problem is their fear wasn't very healthy at all. But I thought surely they weren't looking to steal or kill or to necessarily destroy people. I think for some instance, I believe that they were just trying to uplift and hold the name of God. And then as I was always doing the study, I began to ask myself then, what are false teachers? You know, even though these can be Pharisees, like I want to make sure that I never become a false teacher myself. So what are some of the warning signs that I need to look at? And so if you look at um, 2 Peter, and we'll start with uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, but there were also, listen to this, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. 
They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Now again, I thought that was interesting because right away Peter tells us this, even the people that were around, even the churches that were around, even some of the pastors, some of the Sunday school teachers at times can be false teachers. They can be presenting a false word or a false doctrine. And so Peter says they are among us and they secretly are very divisive and they're secretly destructive as well. And I want you to know this. I don't think, by the way, that it only exists in the church. But I think in some of your families, some of your relationships, I think there are people speaking false truths in your life that are secretly destroying you. And I think that we have to be careful of how those things take place. And so when you go on in 2 Peter and you begin to read some of the different verses, and in verse 1, here's what I think that Peter tells us that those false teachers, they sort of teach these things. First of all, they tell us there is no other way to heaven, or excuse me, they tell us there are other ways to heaven besides Jesus. False teachers will tell you that. They'll tell you it's by works that you get into heaven. They'll tell you, well, if you do these certain things, this is the way you get to heaven. But we are told over and over again in Scripture that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. There is no other deity, there is no other idol, there is no other God that will get you to where you need to go besides Jesus Christ. There is no sports that will get you there, there is no music that will get you there, there is no relationship, no job. Nothing is greater than Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can get you to where you need to be. All other messages are false teachings. Now, we look at things in this life and say, well, I want this and that, but nothing will fulfill you like Jesus Christ does. And then you go on to verse 2 in 2 Peter. It says this, Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into uh, disrepute. And what I want you to know is this, is too, false teachers are one who will sort of justify their own conduct and bring the truth into dispute. I'm amazed at how many churches have been divided over a pastor who has had a moral failure. And the pastor will try to explain himself away and others will follow him. I'm amazed at some of the lies that people in authority can tell and they can get away with it. I'm amazed, probably even in our world, as politicians begin to sort of explain away their own conduct. And we're supposed to keep following them like they have some moral authority. I'm amazed by that. And then I'm even amazed even within our own selves where we can justify our own sins and think that it's okay. Because why? Because Jesus loves And Jesus forgives. You know, Jesus never forgives until we admit our faults. Thirdly, is the way you can tell if somebody's a false teacher is in verse 3 here of 2 Peter. It says this, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. I think it's interesting in that because what you understand too is that by false teaching, 
they will use guilt to control you and to fulfill their own greed. And you've probably seen some of these people who will come into your life or even pastors who will get up here and they'll say, you know, we need more money or we need more of this in order that we're going to get by. As a matter of fact, some of you have been spending too much on yourselves or you've been spending too much at the grocery store. You've been doing too much of this and they'll use sort of their, they'll, they'll guilt you into it to fulfill sort of their own greed or their own desires. And this isn't just in the church again, because we know that we've had people who've come into our lives and made us feel guilty. I mean, anyone have kids? All right. You know, I, I told you the story when I, when I bought my, my car, my new one, uh, one of my kids said, uh, hey, dad, is Chase getting that car? And I'm like, what world are you living in where this kid has no job and he's going to get the new car? You know, he's getting my old car, you know? Like, it was just so crazy to me. But you can feel guilty sometimes. Well, they would say, like, Dad, well, you know, the new car is a lot more safe than the old one. Do you really want your kids going to go through that? Uh, Yeah, I'm okay with it, all right? I'm okay. Builds character, all right? But sometimes we can sort of feel that guilt and heaviness and weight of it. And the truth is, man, it's only for their own greed and their own desires. In verse 10, we read down here that... uh, This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the flesh and despise authority. You get that? They despise authority. Why? Because they don't want to have the checks and balances on them. And you have to be careful of that. All right, I agree with checks and balances. That's why we have a board over the pastor here at the church. Why? Because if we think that the pastor is leading us in the wrong way, the board needs to step in and say, hey, Pastor Chuck, man, we're not sure... You're right on this issue. We're not sure you're teaching right. We're not sure that you're leading us in the right direction. Like there needs to be some authority. And if I just sit around and say, well, the board's so stupid, I don't care about them. Then what I'm doing is becoming a false teacher because I'm disrespecting authority. And again, we see that all the time in our culture, don't we? You don't have to be a coach very long in just some of the elementary groups to understand that coaches are losing their authority today. Kids no longer look to the coach first. They look up in the stands at their parents and see what their parents are telling them to do versus the coach. And parents are trying to speak to their kids before their coach as well. Man, if your kid is on the playing field, you let the coach do their job. We're living in a world right now where, where parents are going in and telling teachers what to do. Let teachers do their job and let their authority speak into the situation. You know, we got, we got, we got cops and, 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 and those on the first line who other people now are trying to speak into them and disrespecting their authority. Well, here's the news, man. If you listen and obey a cop, probably not going to shoot you. I'm guessing, all right? I'm guessing. You know, but all you have to do is respect sort of that authority. But there are times that we don't have any respect for authority anymore. And false teachers will tell you, you don't have to respect the authority. You don't have to listen to what the pastor says. You don't have to listen to what the church says. And it's all about sort of accountability, checks and balances that are going on in there as well. False teacher also in verse 17 says this. These people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. And when you think about that, what's saying is this, is that I think some... People, some false teachers, they'll promise much, but they produce little. They promise much, but they produce little. 
So you have people that will stand up here and say, hey, if you give to the church, man, then your, your, the, the, your money will increase like this. And the truth is, I can't make those statements. Because I don't know. I can't tell you that just because you gave your life to Christ that everything is going to be great. Because the truth is, some of you are going to experience some extreme loss. Some of you are going to come down with some diseases that are incurable. And you're going to lose your life because of it. Some of you are going to have failed marriages. Some of you are going to have kids that just sort of walk away from the faith. And everything is not going to be as great as what it seems. But I can promise you this. You'll have a Savior who will walk beside you. Who will love you. Who will not reject you and who will be there for you. And then in verse 19, we read this. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. See, they promise freedom while they themselves are slaves to it. You know, some pastors can't even get up in the pulpit anymore and speak the truth. Why? Because they're slaves of the world. And they're more afraid about what you think than what God thinks. And so we'll promise you freedom, but we'll be slaves to depravity and we'll let a lot of things go. And that's really what false teaching is really all about. And so if we continue on, what we'll notice is this, is that the thief comes to steal. And so these false teachers, what begins to happen, uh, and steal is, uh, is, in the Greek word, it's klepto, which is what we know to be someone that steals a lot, you know. And uh, so if you, if you think about it, still means to take away by stealth is what that word klepto means. And so when a false teacher comes in, what happens is the thief wants to steal away your joy. He wants to steal away your freedom. He wants to steal away from you what's valuable. And listen, we have been a part of that in the church sometimes. We have told you that you need to do this, this, and this in order to be forgiven. And the truth is we've been singing songs for years that say just as I am, but we don't believe it. We said, no, you don't come in the church just as you are. You come into the church the way we tell you to. And the truth is, man, this, the church is a hospital where the sick and hurting need to be able to come and need to be able to feel loved. And we need to instill with them joy, but the thief comes to steal or take away your joy. And you may have had a spouse that's trying to take away your joy. Tell you they don't love you anymore. They don't want you to be there for you. You may have had a kid that comes in and says, you're a bad parent. And they'll try to steal away your joy. You have bosses that say you're not worth anything. And try to steal away those things in your life. And it's a false message that you gave them. Why? Because the thief comes in to steal. And then it says the thief also comes in to kill. And that's from the Greek word theo, which means to slaughter, <laughs> which is a pretty harsh term. And a lot of us don't think about it, but when you think about it, when a, when a false teacher comes in, what they'll try to do is they'll try to take away your spirit. They'll try to kill your spirit. Why? Because if they can kill your spirit, then they have more control over you. I mean, I think about in our society right now. I don't know, when I was on a grand jury years and years ago, it was interesting to me the amount of cases that we did, first of all, involving alcohol, and a second, involving um, spousal abuse. And every time these women would come in, and they would ask, and did your husband hit you? And they had the marks, and they had called on the first time. They said, no, I just made it up. 
And you knew they didn't. Why? Because that husband had taken away their spirit. And rendered them really useless where they thought they couldn't amount to anything. I think sometimes the church thinks if we can steal or kill your spirit, then we can have a better control over you as well. And so it leads us to the third thing, which is this, is to destroy. And destroy is from a polymy, which means this, be lost or be rendered useless. And so it's interesting to me because when the thief comes in and it steals and kills, it takes everything away of value. It takes away your spirit. But then it lets you just walk around in the rubble and all the chaos. And you walk in that thinking, I can't get through this. Matter of fact, what happens is the thief wants to victimize you to where you're scared, to where you feel you can't get along without their help. In church, I'm sad to say this, but, and I need to apologize for this as well, but I think that there have been times when the church has done that, where they have victimized people in such a way where they feel like they can't get ahead. And we feel like we want you to live in sort of all this chaos, all this misery that you're in. Because that you'll still keep relying on us as well. Some of you would be in relationships like that. Some of you would be in jobs like that. Where they want you to destroy so that you will be lost. And you'll feel like you're useless. You'll feel like you can't get ahead. You feel like that this is the only place you can be in order to get along. But here's the good news. Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. In other words, I am the good teacher. And the message that he wants to present to us is this. He wants to give us life. And that life is to mean is to be real and active. He wants you as a sheep to be able to graze in a field and feel like you're okay. He wants you to be real and active. And he wants you to experience this life. He wants to heal you when you're hurting He wants to walk beside you and know that even though you're going through some of these crazy situations, he's here beside you. Matter of fact, this, and you probably, and I don't know about you if you've ever seen it this way, but this whole thing that Jesus is talking about really goes along with the 23rd Psalm, which we hear so often. And it says, the Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me loud dying in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare me a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, that is a powerful thing. And when you think about that sheep, it says that I'm going to provide you pastures where to go. And I'll provide you a means to take care of yourself. I just need you to walk into it. And there are times that you're going to feel all the pressures of life. And before you turn to some other substance that you think is going to really speak the real message into your life. And it's going to take away all the problems in your situation. Listen, I just want you to lie down. And I want you to just rest for a moment. And just focus on who I am and the greatness of God. And then it says, I anoint my head with oil. And when you think about that metaphor right there, man, a shepherd, when he would bring the sheep in, 
he would check and examine each sheep. And if he saw a blemish, if he saw a scratch, if he saw something that was bloody, he would take that oil and he would rub it on that ear area for healing. And Jesus wants us to come in with all of our hurts, with all of our problems, with all of our excuses, with all the failures and situations in life. And he wants to bring you into the sheep pen and say, okay, join the others that are hurting as well. Join the others that are scratched up. And I want to heal you. And I want to anoint you. Because he wants you to be real and active within the community. And then secondly, he wants to fill us. He says, I want to give you life and I want to give it to the full. And again, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. But what it means is this. It's going to be over and above He wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to know that you've been forgiven and that you've been redeemed. And listen to this. He wants to know that you're valued. Remember the illustration where it said that the shepherd would leave the 99 to go after the one? Man, if you're the one that is hurting, if you're the one that has sort of left religion and you're sick of what life has to offer and you think that there's no more help, Jesus is coming for you. He's coming for you. And he loves you and he values you. Why? because he wants to bring you back into the pen and he wants to keep you safe. He wants to know that you're valued among everything. When the world tells you you're worthless, when family tells you you don't matter, you messed up, he wants you to know that you're valued and that you're loved. And he met it enough to go on a cross and to die for you because he wanted to redeem you. He wanted to pay the payment that was due. And thirdly, it says this, is that the shepherd, Jesus said this, that I lay my life down for the sheep. In other words, he wants to protect us. When I think about that, I mean, I think, and we talked about this, um, man, almost last Easter. But if you think about the way the sheep pen was designed, it was sort of this brick area where it would be in a cave and there would be an entrance. And in that entrance, what would happen is the shepherd would lay down there. Why? Because he would know if any sheep was trying to leave or if he knew if any enemy was trying to get in. If a wolf was trying to get in, if a thief was trying to get in, the shepherd lay right down there so you would have to go over him to get to them. And I want you to know that Jesus is laying his his life down for you. He died on the cross for you. Why? Because he knew that sin could never have a hold on you. Because you've been forgiven and you've been redeemed. He said, you want to try me? Go ahead. I'm God. And I lay my life down for you. I mean, there's so much purpose and so much value and so much reason in that. And so some of you today, I get it because you're probably hurting in this life. You're probably frustrated with circumstances. You probably got a bad deal. Listen, you have a loving Savior who loves you and wants to be there for you. But I would say just like Mikey... (laughs) Why don't give it a try? Because I'll tell you this, I like it. I like even anything that I've ever gone through. Just to know that Jesus is walking there with me has been more than enough. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just close your eyes for just a moment? I want to ask anybody, if if this morning, if you're just saying, man, Pastor Chuck, I'm really hurting and I just need the good shepherd to come into my life and I want to make a decision to ask Christ in my life right now and ask him to just be there and walk through life with me, would you just either look up at me or raise your hand this morning? I just want to remember you in prayer. Anybody like that? Got that over there? Thank you. 
All right, thank you. Back here. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you for this moment right now in time where we can recognize we need the help of a Savior who loves us. And I think in this life, we're trying to figure out where the balance is. I know that I'm constantly doing that. I'm trying to figure out, you know, when, when do I discipline? When do I love? And what means by that you do it? And man, I just feel like I mess up all the time. I'm so thankful for a Savior who walks beside me and says, keep going, Chuck, keep going, keep trying, keep trying. And I know that there are many in this congregation today, we could switch all the names and it could be their individual names. They're probably struggling with some of the circumstances of life, trying to feel like they're not valued or they're worthless. And right now you just want to bring them in and say, yeah, it's okay, come on in. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to look after you. And so I pray today that those who have made that decision would receive your grace right now and understand, Father, that we are admitting that we are sinners. And it's when we admit that, that you say that you can then forgive. And so we pray for your forgiveness in our lives and pray that you would keep helping us walk the straight and narrow. Help us to see both sort of that love and the discipline that we need so that we can figure out the middle and the balance and keep moving forward. Father, you've been so good to us in this life. And maybe some of us don't recognize it yet, but I pray that in time others will see what I've come to know is true, is that you love us, you care for us, and you value us. So, Father, may we leave today rejoicing and being glad and figure out, man, this Christian life is something to be liked. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, thanks for being here uh, today. We'll see you again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.